This is Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, from his series on Heavenly Authority. Pastor is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and he is discussing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the limits and order for their expression in the assembly, which Paul provides. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. A limit to the number of people speaking in tongues, an order, one after another, each in turn, and let one interpret, let someone interpret. This way it's understandable. The church can understand what's being said, and that order and that limit and that understanding will build up the church and take something beautiful from God, a gift of God, and make it functional and practical for the church. Then verse 28, he says, if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Otherwise, if you see there's no interpretation, no interpreter, if he or she can't interpret, if there's no one else that will give the interpretation, keep silent in church. Again, a restriction in the ecclesia, in the church, in the assembly of believers. Now, not privately. Uh, if he's in his home or she's in his home and they're speaking in tongues, no one's telling them to stop. In certain situations, they may be called on. Have you ever been in a situation that there was almost an accident while you're driving. You may go right into speaking in tongues, and that accident is avoided. Uh, but this is in the assembly of the church coming together. Remember the context of it. Doesn't mean that you can't speak in tongues for private power, for spiritual understanding. That goes beyond words. We've spoken about that. Things you can't put into words. And communication with God. Remember uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So for communication with God. And that's why Paul says, let him keep silent and speak to himself. He receives revelation in his spirit. He receives knowledge in his spirit that goes beyond words and to God. He's also through the spirit giving the perfect prayer to God in this tongue. Now, someone could say, but if the tongue is coming from the Holy Spirit, which Paul is not ever questioning here, he's never saying like some um, believers who deny the gifts of the Spirit, you know, these tongues, maybe it comes from their minds, maybe it comes from unclean spirits. Paul never ever goes down that avenue. No one can say uh, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But he says that they should keep silent if there's no interpretation. So someone can say, if the tongue is coming from the Holy Spirit, which it has to be because he says, keep silent and pray to himself and God, only the Holy Spirit would give him the gift to pray to God. If the gift of tongues is coming from the Holy Spirit, if it is legitimate, it's not counterfeit, why shouldn't he speak it? Doesn't God want him to speak it? Doesn't God expect him to speak it? Why would he experience the tongue 
in the first place if he can't speak it out? It's a valid question. Obviously, Paul is writing these instructions by the same Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God inspired the Scriptures. So what's going on? And I think you have to understand the anointing uh, to see it, how the anointing of God works. God gives gifts to men. If you look back again to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we receive these gifts through the Holy Spirit. He gave gifts to men. As he ascends up to the Father, he baptizes down with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit by the grace given to each gives gifts to men. In speaking of Israel being cut off in part so that the Gentiles might be grafted in to the kingdom, Paul speaks about the salvation of Israel and he writes in Romans chapter 11 and verse 28, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. One more time. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're not it's not possible to revoke them. Israel is God's chosen nation, and their fullness, their fullness, their acceptance of Messiah will be life from the dead. God has ordained it because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. You can't change it. And you think about Samson, repentant, blind. Uh, he has been so weak, but the hair of his head begins to grow again, and with a prayer to his God, once again, the gift returns and the pillars of the Philistine temple are pushed down. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. You think of Saul uh, as a young man, Samuel anoints as commander over God's inheritance. Uh, and if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Samuel tells Saul in chapter 10 verse 5, After that you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets, prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. They're worshiping God, right? And they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. You go down to verse 10. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this? 
that has come upon the son of Kish is Saul also among the prophets. And here you have Saul anointed by Samuel, the uh, light of the beginning of his young work. Everything looks good at this point, but then it goes very bad, right? Saul does mighty works as God empowers him, but Saul has problems in himself. And he becomes rebellious. And finally, Samuel tells him in chapter 15 and verse 26, But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. So Saul will no longer be seen as king in the sight of God. And that's when Samuel goes and anoints David. Young David is king. And Saul becomes plagued by a distressing spirit. He becomes resentful of David, who's the only one that can play the, the music to make the demon go from him. He tries to pin David to the wall with, with a spear. He sends messengers to kill David. You read in uh, chapter 19, verse 20, Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as a leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. It spills over. The anointing that's on the prophets, that's on Samuel, spills over to the messengers, and they prophesy. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah, uh, and came to the great well that sat Siku. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are in Naoth and Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth Ramah, in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Samuel is standing there. The prophets are prophesying. The Spirit of God falls upon the messengers. Saul goes to see what's happening. And the anointing is so strong that even as he's going, it comes upon Saul. And when he reaches there, he falls down, rips off his clothes, and he prophesies all day and all night before Samuel. Earlier on, when he was younger, he's going uh, and he sees the prophets coming down the mountain. They're singing music, they're prophesying, and the Spirit of the Lord falls. The church at Corinth is open to the anointing. They each have received gifts from the Holy Spirit for their personal walk, for witnessing, and for the building up of the church. And when Spirit-filled Christians, like those prophets, assemble, expecting just like those prophets, expecting the Spirit of God to come down, praising God, the anointing of the Spirit of God will fall. And many times, the more such believers you have, the greater the blanket of presence. You have such prophets there prophesying that 
the blanket is very strong. It overflows the messengers. It overflows even to Saul, who's in a bad state. And if you have the assembly of believers in Jesus Christ baptized in the Holy Spirit, how much more when they assemble together expecting, seeking, worshiping, praising God, that the church sees the power of God because it expects the power of God and the anointing of God falls like a blanket. And when that anointing falls, the gifts, it is a natural thing, just like with Saul, because the gifts of God are irrevocable. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It is a natural thing that when the anointing falls, that the gift that the Holy Spirit has planted in us, that it'll rise up. It is just a response to the Spirit of God being there. And as you're worshiping God with other believers, you can see visions. You can receive prophecies. You can speak in tongues. You can receive revelation, teachings. I've had some tremendous teachings come to me just as I was praising God and we were singing. Songs can come to you. Healings can come to you, etc., etc. As believers are gathered together, praising the Lord and the Spirit of God, the blanket of the anointing falls. It is a natural thing for the gifts to rise up. We'll continue the message in our next broadcast. We are live streaming the Sunday morning message at 10.30 a.m. on the Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle YouTube channel. And we leave the messages up on the channel for a library that can be accessed 24-7. You can search YouTube to get to the channel or use the link we have placed on the www.shiarjashub.org website. Join Pastor Greg Scalzo next time on Shi'ar Jashub.